Well, brethren, good morning. I always try to give a disclaimer that obviously from my accent you can tell I'm not born and bred from here. And I hope that I may not be a distraction to you in the way I pronounce words differently, but I hope that God in his grace will help us to follow along as I recount God's gracious work in my life and even his work of ministry back home in Zambia. Well, with me is my wife, Catherine Grace Combe, and we have come with our kids. Uh, we have four kids or children. Our first is Eliana, and her name means God has answered us. Our second is Elayla, and that is the joy of God. The third one is Elaray, the beauty of God. And then lastly, Elshan, and his name means mercy of God. Well, my name is Sidney Kombe, and uh, I, I was born and bred in, in Zambia. I was born in a family of 12. I had 11 siblings. Well, my wife tends to always rebuke me and remind me. One of my sisters died when she was three months old. So by the calculation, 13 altogether. And first, second and fourth born uh, siblings have passed. And they all died not really Christians. My mom and dad as well passed on. They did not decline the faith, nor did they embrace the faith soundly. And therefore, it's, it's not my place to say they died believing. But they all gave us the opportunity to speak to them about Christ. They never declined, nor did they embrace. My home life was so much revolving around church. That's to say, I have a quiet religious background. Going to church was one of those mandatory tasks that we were required to attend. Even if there was a somewhat ignorance with regards to what sound Christianity was, who Christ was, and what salvation is or was. But it was one of those practices that we as children were required to, at all times, adhere to. And because of that, we, we became very familiar with the life of church, but there was no evidence of God's saving grace in, in my life and mostly the lives of my, my siblings as well. And I tend to say that if morality is a qualification for one's entrance into heaven, my parents really did a good job. There was no time we partook of a meal without praying. There was no time we woke up in the morning or even go to bed without praying. 
they made sure we were respectful to the people around us. Because one of the principles that they taught us was that wherever we were as children, we were representing our family. Hence, we were always at our best, our best behavior. But there was no evidence of God's saving grace in my soul. In 1998, by the grace of God, the Lord opened my eyes. And I tend to read these words when I give my testimony from second, rather 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and reading from verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there was not many wise according to the flesh, nor many mighty, not many nobles. But God has chosen the foolish things this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. When I consider my calling and the way the Lord God in his mercy opened my eyes, it was quite unusual. It wasn't as spectacular as others would give a testimony, but for me it was through watching a, a Jesus movie acted from the book of Luke. But for the first time I was able to visualize, to see what Jesus Christ had to endure for my salvation. And it was at this time that I came to realize that sin is not primarily what I do, but I do what I do as a sinner because of the nature that I'm born in. That became quite evident. At this time, something also became more evident that my being sinful was as it were David's confession in sin, I was conceived, and in sin, I was brought forth. So it had nothing to do with how I lived, but it had everything to do with who I was, a sinner. Yes, being brought up as a religious person, attended church, and I was always at Sunday school, yet at the base of it all, I had this hatred toward God. And what motivated my hate toward God was poverty and death in my family. One of my brothers who died, very devoted, but obviously not a Christian. And in my infant mind, I was wondering if God is truly there and is all-powerful. And this my brother prayed earnestly that the Lord would heal him. And one of my sisters also who died, who was very much given to anything religious. And I wondered if God was truly God and he was all-powerful, why did he not heal them? That was because my eyes were still shut. But when I saw, as I watched the unraveling of the movies, so many questions were running in my mind. Who is this man? 
Why is he being treated the way he's being treated? Why has he suffered? Because in my infant eyes, I saw how innocent this man was and the man Christ. But at the end of that movie, the presenter of the movie came forth and explained the need for the Savior. And for the first time, I came to learn of the name Adam. For the first time, I came to learn of this first man and how he sinned. And because he transgressed the law of God, that all that is born after the seed of Adam is born a sinner. And I realized that it did not matter how I lived, I still was a sinner. And if I died in that state, I would have gone to no other place but hell. Romans 5.12. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2. Dead in sin and trespasses was without God, without hope in this world. Two questions, or rather two verses were impressed much upon my conscience. One was Romans 3 and 9. No one is righteous. No one seeks after God. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, the compelling text. Seek the Lord while he is near. Seek him. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked depart, or rather forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. I still cannot recollect how I moved from the couch where I was down to my knees pleading for God's mercy. And the Lord was gracious to me. I was convicted of my sin. That's what compelled me to go on my knees. I came to see how holy and righteous God was and how he hates sin. That the only way I can have peace with God was through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pleaded for mercy and forgiveness. And the Lord was gracious to me. And even today, I can say that by his grace, I am saved. Now that's back in 1998. The immediate church that was there for me to go and identify myself with was a charismatic church. One of the things I did not mention when I was giving a recount of my family is I'm one of uh, the other pastor in my, because my brother is a pastor, he's actively serving in Zambia. And during all those times of my lostness, he did try to explain to me about Christ. But because I did not see the need of Christ, none of the things that he said to me made any sense. 
And I do vividly remember on multiple occasions where he would bring you know, some of the saints from that church where he used to go and he was actively uh, serving and try to attempt to explain to me who Christ was. And I would always run away from them. And I do remember him telling me that the fact that you hate God so much, one day you will serve him. And I said, never happening. Because of, like I said, poverty, and I could remember my, my brother and how he dressed. I mean, he did try. And I was like, no, if being a Christian means being as poor as you are, and I used to tell him in his face, I don't want to be part of it. But that was the same church I went to when the Lord saved me. And I embraced anything that you can think of that is practiced in the charismatic circles. And I was there 10 whole years. Identified myself with the church. Though when I was in school, I desired when I was done with school, I was going to become a chef. That direction changed immediately. I began finding comfort and solace in preaching the word of God. By the grace of God, I, I love the scriptures. I would read and always raise questions. I would go to my pastor then and ask him questions, which he did not like so much. And most of the times he would tell me, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life all the time. But I desire to be like the Berean Christians. Search the scriptures and see what is being taught where so. Ten whole years. So I did pursue my formal religious education because of that affinity in preaching the gospel, going out evangelizing. Some of the men in that church, mature men, they advised me to pursue pastorate. That was something that I desired. And I enrolled at one of the Bible colleges in Zambia. It was called Morningstar Bible College. It was primarily very much Presbyterian leaning. Now, you want to combine Presbyterian doctrine and charismatic doctrine. Those two don't get along. It was very difficult. One of the doctrines which I really struggled with was the doctrine of election. Because being in charismatic circles, it's basically Arminianism in there. You are saved, you stay saved by how much you do and by how much you stay holy and righteous. The possibilities of you losing your salvation are really high. So you are always guilty if you don't tell the truth, you don't walk rightly, there was not much deep-seated uh, confidence that I'm saved because I'm always afraid. And then when I went in this Bible college, I found some of my brothers there who I shared the background with that to a greater extent, not all of them, Quite a few of them were living recklessly as they desired. 
And they were claiming if the Lord God had saved them, regardless how they lived, they would end up in heaven. But my Armenian doctrine was you might lose your salvation. And I felt no need of continuing on my studies there. So 2006 through 2007, by the close of 2007, I quit. And I had some few months of reflecting. And then one seminary popped up from South Africa, Christ Seminary, and I enrolled, they accepted me, and I did my theological studies there from 2008 through 2011. And I wouldn't say that it was as easy for me to be there as well. I remember going in the seminary with a lot of pomp and pride. That by the time I graduate, I will have all these seminary professors speaking in tongues. But the opposite was true. The Lord humbled my heart. The first year of my studies was very, very, very tricky and quite hard. I answered the questions as much as I could for the sake of passing the class, but not out of conviction. Because this seminary was very much baptistic and dispensational based. So the first year was very much a struggle for me. But by the year 2009, by the grace of God, I yielded myself up. And I said, Lord, fill me with your truth. Again, I tend to say, I felt like I got born again, again. It was the first time that I got exposed to the doctrines of grace at that seminary with an understanding of what grace truly means. And I do remember the second year of my studies that I was taken up as an intern at one of the Bible, sorry, one of the churches in South Africa, Antioch Bible Church. And it was at that church where I got exposed to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. During my internship, we were able to go through that very document And I came to really embrace the doctrines of grace. And I heard one of the preachings from Dr. MacArthur. He did the doctrines of grace. And I listened and just devoured that, doc I mean, the, the, um, the preachings that, uh, that were on that CD. And one of the other books that actually informed much of my mind and the, the shift from embracing dispensational position to embracing the covenant theology, but also embracing this amillennial position. As I read, firstly, whatever happened to the doctrines of grace by James Montgomery Boyce, Reformed Doctrine of Predestination by Lauren Botner, read Calvin's Institutes, the body of divinity, just to mention but a few of the books. 
The Lord was busy preparing me to embrace what true truth is. And by the time I was graduating in 2011, I had completely shifted from being an Armenian, from embracing dispensational position to embracing the covenant position. Now the question that remained upon my mind was when I returned to Zambia, where am I going to be? Because I left Zambia as a charismatic guy, I was going back as one by the grace of God, a reformed pastor. In 2011, the close of 2011, this same church where I did my internship organized the conference which they called Resolution Conference and they had John Piper come and Dr. Conrad Mbewe. So my mentor, Pastor Tim, said when Pastor Mbewe comes, you've got to have time with him. Make plans. When you leave South Africa, you go straight to his church and you do another year of internship with him. And that's what we did. When I graduated 2011, 2012, I went straight home and I was embraced and carried under the wing of Dr. Mbewe as well as Pastor Ronald Kalifungwa. I know those names are familiar with us here. And I did my whole year of internship under them. So by the grace of God, they did help me greatly. So I did various internships during my whole uh, 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 period of preparation for ministry. So besides being at Antioch Bible Church, I did partly with another church, and there was about three or four other churches, which I know won't be beneficial to you if I didn't mention, but the prominent churches, Kawata Baptist Church and Lusaka Baptist Church. 2013, September 4th of 2013, Lusaka Baptist Church sent me up to Mpika to go and do the work of ministry there. Now, Emmanuel Baptist Church was a church that was planted back in 1995. The church had already seen two pastors, and I was the third one there. When the Lord, by the grace of God, I was ordained and the Lord sent me up to Mpika. I was there for almost 10 years until our relocation here uh, to the U.S. last year uh, in May. This church was really in, I don't know if I tell you would understand village, how village is portrayed in Zambia and village here. <laughs> uh, when we talk about village, it's it's a, a well, not a well-developed area. It's, a God, it's not in the jungle, but it's just not a well-to-do place. And I'd married my wife the same year, 2013, and she sacrificed a lot. She went with me to Mpika, and we were there together, and we served the Lord side by side, and that's where the Lord God blessed us with our four children. When we arrived in Mpika, we found the church had the four walls, that the four walls, the building, wasn't done, 
by the grace of God, the resources were made available, the building was done and it got commissioned. I was the sole elder for a number of years, but in 2016, the Lord added two elders to that church and one deacon. By the time we were leaving that ministry, we left, membership was at 32, and the church was well attended, but we had just come through that phase of COVID. So there was a bit of disruption, but all in all, the church is still standing. Uh, last year, they sent my replacement there, the name uh, the man whose name I share with is also Sydney, Sydney Mwape. So he's carried on the reins of the work of ministry. So there are two elders, in fact, three elders, this pastor plus the other two elders that we left, we left behind. I'm trying to be as scanty as possible to accommodate as much information as possible. So Lusaka Baptist Church, I'll speak a little about the work of missions that's going on because Emmanuel Baptist Church happens to be one of the churches that have been planted by Lusaka Baptist Church as well as Kabwata Baptist Church. These are the two giant churches, I would say, that has given birth to many other churches. Lusaka Baptist Church has about 21 daughter churches that are dotted across the country. With the recent visit that Pastor Kalifungwa had, and he, him and Pastor Tate, we are talking about the work that is already uh, shaping up in Zimbabwe, and Lusaka Baptist Church will be providing oversight. So that will add to the number of the churches under the wings of Lusaka Baptist Church to 22. Kawata Baptist Church was born out of Lusaka Baptist Church. Lusaka Baptist Church was established way back in the 19, I think 1955 or 1965. It wasn't a reformed Baptist Church when it was planted. But it has seen multiple pastors that have come through and it's been reforming over time. Kawata Baptist Church was planted, I believe, back in... I think 1995 as well. 1995 or 1985. But Kawata Baptist Church has planted multiple other daughter churches that are very much um, reformed leaning. And the reason for the multiplicity of the churches being planted is Kawata Baptist Church and Lusaka Baptist Church run internship programs. Now, these internship programs are very deliberate in their approach. They identify the young men who aspire to ministry, and they encourage them to come and be shepherded and be built up in the area of ministry. And that is very practical. You, you sit and observe how the eldership meetings are run, but at the same time, you are given some responsibilities to run within the church. And at times, you'd run a small group or the cell group. 
And at times you are assigned to do preachings in those, you know, newly planted churches across the country. So it's very much hands-on kind of an approach to internship. But at the same time, they stretch your mind with the books that they assign you to read, and also you, you do reports. So that's the reason why there is this multiplication of, 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 of churches or church plants. So there is a deliberate approach to training men. So internship is one of those. But also there's the training institu institutes which they have, institutions rather, which they have established. There is Lusaka Ministerial College. Now this is very much focused on men that have not received formal education uh, in terms of uh, theological education. So Lusaka Ministerial College and Copper Belt Ministerial College would bring in, let me just say more like the same young man who expresses interest in ministry or even the charismatic or Pentecostal pastors that have not received formal theological uh, uh, trainings they would bring them in and teach them sound doctrine. And that covers the period between one year to three years. And they bring in pastors and, and lecturers, even from here, from the States, who would come and carry out certain modules in, in the year as, as the years unfold. So they do offer something of like Lusaka Ministerial College, they offer some certificates just to acknowledge that someone has gone through formal education. Copper Belt Ministerial College, recently I heard from Pastor Kalifunga that they are now offering you know, bachelor's degrees. But there's also the third institution, and this is Africa Christian University. They offer something of the liberal arts education. It, it is wider in the approach uh, of, 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 of instructions that are brought to the students. Africa Christian University was given birth to by the churches from within Zambia, Lusaka Baptist Church, Kawata Baptist Church, this Emmasdale Baptist Church, Evangel Baptist Church. I can't remember the, the fourth, uh, the fifth one. They're the ones who came up with an idea desiring to offer Christian-inclined education. And with a desire to train men or young men with disciplines whose base and foundation is the scriptures. And I would say that has really been, has not only been received well, but quite a number of the young men are being trained there. And it's been of a blessing. Just to go back to the churches being planted. So these churches, they are about 65 now. Churches that are planted between Kawata Baptist Church and Lusaka Baptist Church. From within Zambia, but we've also gone beyond uh, the borders of Zambia. In Botswana, in Tanzania, in Rwanda, in Nigeria... Now in Zimbabwe, there, is, there, there are churches that are being planted. And, and, and here's the thing. One of the things that is being encouraged to these very churches, the new church plants, 
It is for them to identify men from within the congregation. And the pastors of the church are responsible to train those men. And if they see there is a need in another city, they will train these men and send them out to go and plant more new church works. Now, obviously, you know that when you endeavor in spreading the gospel in that way, even the resources are greatly stretched. And one of, and I'm using this word loosely, one of the hindrances to extensive church plans has been the resources. But if the resources were available, the churches could be planted like wildfires. And again, I'm not saying that these endeavors have been 100% successful. There have been some churches which were planted, but along the way, those became failed projects. But the churches that we can count on as still standing firm for Christ and proclaiming the gospel, 65 so far. And many more we pray that churches, many more churches will be, will be planted. So with regards to the Reformed Baptist Church movement is concerned, again, you, you need to bear with me. I may not give us the detailed account of when the Reformed movement came into Zambia because there are particular years attached to this as to when this truth of Reformed uh, faith was embraced. I know of a man of the pastor of Lusaka Baptist Church, Eton, and there was another pastor by the name of Joe Simfukwe, and, and, and others. These were men that were in the forefront to begin to, to sow the seed of the doctrines of grace. And this had more to do with exposure. Exposure to, like, like Pastor Eton was exposed to Metropolitan Tabernacle, and started bringing some of the truths. And Pastor Joseph Fukui was an avid reader, and he was a well-traveled pastor. They are, they are the ones who started bringing some reformed thinking in the church. And as to embracing with full vigor and confidence with regards to this formed <coughs> movement. It, it, it's been a process of reformation. Pastor Kalifungo happens to be one of those men that are still staring. But I do remember a name, uh, Ashwa Blaze. One time he came to Zambia, and he was invited to preach at our Reformed Family Conference. And he is the first man who brought the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. And he left that copy with Pastor Simfukwe, and I think there was another man, Reverend Nyerenda. So these men devoured the document, and that helped them to actually be established fully in conviction and becoming confessional uh, Reformed Baptist churches, beginning with Lusaka Baptist Church and 
down to Kawata Baptist Church and now all these other churches that have been birthed uh, from, uh, from there. So Ashu Blaze came and helped the Reformed Baptist movement have a document and then develop from that document and having an understanding with regards how salvation looked like when it's looked at from the vantage point of the doctrines of grace. So doctrinally, the churches in Zambia are reformed. We talk about salvifically or soteriologically, if that is the word, very much reformed at an ecclesiological level, very much reformed. So all these bases that you would define a reformed Baptist church, our churches back in Zambia are quite reformed. But obviously, the newly planted churches, they are still reforming. If, if, if you trace what I said, most of the men that are being sent are men that undergo internship programs, and for the first time they get exposed to doctrines, the doctrines of grace. And then they are sent off to go and plant churches. So they're not fully fledged or well based in the doctrines of grace. That's why Reformed Family Conferences have been very, very cardinal in sharpening the saints as they every now and then come back. But there's also another uh, practice we do or they do in Zambia. There is the missionary conference. And the missionary conferences, they tend to invite pastors that would come and teach in those conferences. And we also have elective sessions where the focus is just to sharpen the pastors. So in all of these endeavors, you would see that the church is reformed and is still reforming in Zambia. Now, in five minutes, how did I find myself here? Just coming back uh, to myself and uh, talking about Boston Lake Baptist Church. Where after serving the Lord in Impica for almost 10 years, as a family, we had a decision to make. When my, my mother finally passed on, she was one we were caring for, my wife and I. We saw there was a need to draw closer to my wife's family as well. Because they're aging, obviously. But as a family, we also had some needs, health issues, with our children, we were in a village we could not access, uh, like provide quality education for our children. But there were also health issues with our children. One of our daughters at that time had what they called mitral valve prolapse, the heart condition. And they later on discovered that she had a, a hole in the, in the heart. And those obviously needed expertise to mitigate or probably uh, provide 
adequate help. Our second-born daughter also had lazy eyes. I can't remember the, uh, the medical term for it. They were floating all over the place, and they had prescribed uh, surgery. And we did not want to have that done in Zambia. And um, my wife also had some health issues, of which accessing all these um, adequate medical helps was proving to be difficult. And besides, we also felt that our work in, in Impica, we did what we were sent there to do. And we thought of moving forward and come here. So last year, we made a transition. And when we got here, it was a good time of praying and seeking the Lord's face as to where we were going to be settled. I did send my resume across many of the Reformed Baptist churches in the U.S. And we did take some time to visit some of those churches. We visited Boston Lake Baptist Church. And in the decision as to where we needed to be, we had set forth some of the principles, and we pray that God in his grace would help us arrive at the church of his own choosing. One of the primary principles that we had put across was that we wanted to be in a church where the truth of God's word was loved and appreciated. It did not matter how long you pray. Not that I'm saying I'm going to preach two hours here, but that regardless how long the truth of God or how heavy the truth of God might be, people are able to embrace and they will love it. And that we found with Boston Lake Baptist Church. The love of the brethren, the caring for one another. We wanted to be in a church where we love and be loved. And we found that with Boston Lake Baptist Church. We did not desire for money. We were actually ready to go to any place as long as the truth of God was loved. And we found that with Boston Lake Baptist Church. So. We were in talks, I sent in my papers, we were invited on multiple occasions, the church got to know us, we got to know the church, at least we were able to look at these other churches we had visited with an informed mind and also make a decision that to serve the purposes of God. And I moved up here this year in January. That's after they extended the call to me, and my family joined me in March. And last month, on the 29th, I got installed in the life of the church. And it is be, it's been a great blessing for me to be at Boston Lake Baptist Church. And it is my prayer that the Lord would, in his mercies, grants to me faithfulness in serving his people in the proclamation of the gospel and that his people will be greatly built up in the most holy faith and then when I breathe my last on that day I look forward to hearing those words well done good and faithful servant 
And I pray that that is the desire we all have. That on that day, the Lord will be pleased. In a nutshell, that's my testimony. May I just pray for us? Father, thank you for this privilege of hearing of your gracious work of salvation in my soul, which I believe that, Lord, these saints seated in this auditorium would identify with your gracious works in their lives and how that you met them at varied points of need in varied circumstances and you drew them to yourself and you have made them your very own. And Lord, you are leading them, guiding them. And when your son returns home, Lord, returns, Lord, he will take your church home. And Father, I thank you that I and all these brethren seated here, we shall one day behold your son's face. Thank you, Lord, for the work of ministry in Zambia. And we pray that you bless those churches and that you keep them healthy and the truth of God be proclaimed far and wide. We thank you, Lord, for Albany Baptist Church and the privilege of having myself and my family come and be with these saints. We pray that you bless our time shared together around each other but more importantly, around your word. May you receive the praise and glory. We ask and pray all these things in that you worthy name of your Son, who is our Savior, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.